Hello and welcome to If Homeschool Walls Could Talk. I'm your host, Jenny Hahn. First, I'd like to say thank you for the five-star reviews that I've gotten on Apple Podcasts. I feel like those stars, five stars, really go to my guests. They're the ones who are being so brave and vulnerable and generous with their time and their experiences. I feel like I'm barely figuring out how to use my equipment and how to conduct these interviews. And they're really the ones making this be a great listen and getting earning those five stars. So five stars to my guests is how I see it. Our guest today is Doreen Blanding. She calls herself um, a fired homeschool mom. I changed it to retired because it's inevitable. We all retire. But she just didn't feel like it was like an easy break. So it was more fired homeschool mom. But she had six kids that she homeschooled all the way through. And she came on the podcast not even really knowing what to expect, hadn't listened to it before, probably more as an act of generosity to our mutual friend that we had in common. But she was so fun to interview and I learned so much from her, her experiences and her philosophies. After the fact, when I was listening to the recording, I wrote down some of the things that she had said because it just really stuck with me. I was so grateful that she came on and shared these things. And I think you're really going to enjoy her insights and enjoy learning about her experiences and just really relate to the things that she went through. Some things really traumatic and hard, a car accident and a cancer diagnosis, but also just trying to relate to her kids and to find the right balance for their family. But her passion was so inspiring and I'm so grateful that she was on to share that with us. So enjoy. Doreen, thank you so much for being willing to be on the podcast today. Oh, you're welcome. This is exciting for me. Oh, good. This is my first interview with someone I don't actually know that I've never met before. But I was reading through your like little bio that you sent me and we have a mutual friend. So it's not like, you know, yeah, we found each other on the internet or something. (laughs) (laughs) About our friend Erin, who was on episode two of my podcast, she asked if you would be interested in being on the podcast. And you sent me a little bio. And I realized how much of it I related to. So you have six kids, I have six kids. And all of your kids ages are really similar to the spacing of my kids, except I have like a caboose. My number six is six years younger than number five. But I just look at all the things that you've done and the things that, you know, you've experienced. I see a lot of parallels to my life and you're like 10 years ahead of where I'm at. So I'm like, huh, how handy would this have been 10 years ago? I know (laughs) you existed. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry. (laughs) It's okay. We lived in different parts of the country. Totally fine. But just, I'm really excited to hear your story and hear your experiences. So I'm really glad you're here today. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. And um, thank you, Erin, for uh, connecting us. Um, I guess we should start at the very beginning. I was um, in college. I went to school to become an elementary school teacher. Um, And with that, I was going to coach um, 
volleyball at the high school. That was my, that was what I really, really wanted to do. And then in college, I met somebody who was a bit older than me. And during my senior or my junior year, he graduated. And so I never finished. Um, We left the college town we were going to school in and came to the Seattle area because he was hired um, by a computer company up here. And the next thing I knew, uh, we were hunting down doctors to find out why we weren't getting pregnant when I really wanted to go to school and I couldn't balance the two of them. The doctor said, well, you either go to school or you get pregnant because the stress of school will, you know, it's not conducive to um, having a baby. So I had to make the decision whether I wanted to do, to finish my schooling um, or have a baby. And I decided that I could always go back to school, but having a baby while I was young with infertility, my chances were better. So we decided to have a baby. So a couple years later, all the treatments worked and we had our first and the doctor said, well, we figured it out. If you want to keep having babies, let's keep going. And so I had four in quick succession. And it was during my pregnancy, a number two, my second child, that somebody, um, I was at her house visiting with her and all of a sudden her teenage daughter walked through in the middle of the day of a school day. And I'm like, uh, excuse me, I just brought my brand new baby in your house and your sick child is walking through the house. I didn't say it like that, but that's what my mind said. Oh yeah, that's what you're thinking. (laughs) I I said, your daughter, she's not in school today. She goes, oh yeah, she's in school. I kind of looked at her like, what are you talking about? No, she's not. She just walked through to go to the kitchen. And she said, oh no, she homeschools. And I said, really, what is that? And um, so we had a, we probably had, what should have been like a 15 minute drop off. Here you go. Thank you. Uh, kind of conversation ended up to be like a three hour conversation. I remember I fed my baby twice while we were there. So that's how long it was. And she told me all about homeschooling. And I thought, Hmm, that's really interesting. Now this is before the World Wide web was what it is today. And I literally had to go to the library and get a couple books on homeschooling and I read up on it and I'm like, you know what, this is exactly what I went to school to do is to teach children. So I hemmed and hawed about it. What am I going to do? Because my child, my oldest was about time to go to preschool and like I can do preschool. So I did preschool at our house. We had another baby. We had baby baby number three. And I said, this preschool thing's pretty cool. Um, It's fun. And I just continued doing school with them however whatever fashion it happened to be that day whether it was playing in the water you know preschool is just about exploring the world that you see the world that you taste the world that you feel the world that you experience and so that's what we were just doing we were just having a grand old time not only that I don't think I could have afforded the the preschools that were around here because this is kind of an expensive place to live so I just kept doing this and I went to my husband one time and I said, you know what? I'm kind of having fun doing this. The kids are having fun. We have no schedule. Nobody else's schedule. Let's put it that way. We had our own schedule, but we didn't have anybody else's up by five, uh, up by eight, had them in school by nine type of a thing. We just did whatever we wanted to. We could take a vacation whenever we wanted to. There was no nothing. Nobody's else's schedule to put on my calendar, but my own. And then we had baby number four. And that was about the time that my oldest should be going to kindergarten. And I said, you know what? The state of Washington doesn't uh, 
make you decide what you're going to do until they're eight. That was the, that was the law. I said, let's it's still the law. I yeah, know, that's goodness. still the same. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's continue until they're eight and then we'll decide. And so we just had some fun doing homeschooling, if you will. And uh, it was great. It was fun. And then we um, had two more and we were just continuing on this. And I, I should tell you that my husband was very supportive. He was like, yeah, let's keep on going. But every year in August, we had to make the decision whether we put our children in public school or continue on. And at about the age of 12, we gave each of the kids that decision if they wanted to go to public school or not. And every year they decided not to. I don't know if that was the right choice. I have some kids who say, I wish you would have put us in, in public school for my high school so that I could have been exposed to more. Um, and then I have children who say, I am so glad I didn't go to high school. It was such a mess. So I don't know if it was the right thing or the wrong thing, but we gave them the choice after about the age of 12, they got to choose whether they went to public school or stayed home. And they, every, I mean, they never went to public school. So, um, I guess they all decided to stay home and do school with me, if you will. Um, we also decided that when they turned their junior year in high school, whatever age that happened to be with the kid, um, we sent them to the running start through the running start program at our high school and community college here. So they all graduated with an um, associate's degree and all six of them um, have been accepted to a four-year university. Uh, some have chosen not to finish their degree. Some are on break. Some of them chose to do other ways. Um, so we'll see. It's their life now. So they'll they'll figure out what it what happens. Now that's that's a nutshell of what our our life was. It was not easy though. There were days where I was like, I'm done. Um, I'd send them to the principal's office, if you will, meaning I went <laughs> to the bathroom and closed the door. It was the only room that had a lock. And then my kids figured out that you could stick a um, if you took a a skewer, like a barbecue skewer, instead yeah. of the little hole, you could break into mom's bathroom. <laughs> I had to find another principal's office. So I went to the car and locked myself in it. There were days I did that, <laughs> but not very often. Um, so, but there were, there were lots of bumps along the way. Um, shortly after baby number six came along and, and my children are, I, my youngest um, was born just before my oldest turned nine. So I had six children, eight and under, um, all oh, single wow. births. Um, and so we figured out the fertility thing. Um, yeah, and, then, yeah, and, obviously. Then, and then God gave us two extra. Um, <laughs> those are stories in and of themselves, but that's not a homeschooling podcast story. <laughs> um, so shortly after my youngest turned two, I was in a rather horrific car accident. Um, that if, when I look back at my journals and read that section, I am surprised I did what I did because I don't remember any of it. So I, I had a massive head injury. Um, and so I have what the, the medical term is a walking concussed state. So I was awake. Um, I was alive. I walked around. I did all the things that you think are doing. I just don't remember any of it. So it happened two days before Thanksgiving. 
um, a guy just T-boned me. He, I think he fell asleep at the wheel. He T-boned me doing about 60 miles an hour uh, on the passenger side. I'm lucky to be alive. Um, I'm lucky to be walking and, and no major injuries. But I sent, I spent about 30 days, um, a little over 30 days in a walking concussed state. So I don't remember it. I literally woke up New Year's Eve while the family and I were on the carpet. I just remember this so vividly. We're on the carpet playing card games like we're waiting for you know midnight to strike. And I woke up and I'm like, what are we doing? Uh, you know, where's the Christmas tree? I set that up, didn't I? Uh, where are all these things? And I seriously don't remember that month, but my kids said it was one of the funnest units we ever did on Brazil. <laughs> and if they didn't have paperwork to back it up and show me that we, we literally took a field trip, air quotes, to Brazil, I would not have known that I would have taught that because I just totally didn't know. And then for wow. the next seven years, I spent in and out of therapies, uh, physical therapy. Um, I had some uh, some PTSD I had to deal with um, and all that. And I had to juggle um, homeschooling kids around all of that. And it's even worse or more difficult, if you will, when you call one of your friends and say, hey, listen, I have a three o'clock appointment or an eight o'clock appointment, therapy appointment. Um, can you babysit my kids? You know, it's during the school hours. And she's like, yeah, sure. And she's going through her mind thinking she has six kids, but five of them should be in school. Oh, yeah, I can do the one. And she walks and knocks on the door. And, oh, it's six of them. Oh, Okay. So I had to be creative. And thankfully at that time, I had another good friend um, who was, she had eventually had six kids too. And we traded kids often. And um, so we actually started a little co-op together. Um, I'll get into co-ops there, Lifesaver. And so we would just trade kids back and forth um, during the homeschooling day teaching or just having them come for a play date type of a thing. And so I, I, that's, I, I did, I, I homeschooled through that part and it was very difficult. Now my kids will tell you that they think that they didn't learn anything, but then I'll tack, I'll ask them and, and kind of like quiz them on Brazil. And it's like, yeah, we didn't learn anything. You're right. We didn't learn anything. Wink, wink. Um, you know, that's what, that's what my kids say all the time when like yeah. random relatives say, what are you, what yeah. are you studying? And they're like, I don't know. I don't study I don't anything. Know. I know. I know. And I'm isn't like, that, what do you think we're doing all day? <laughs> I know. Isn't that the favorite question? What are they studying? Uh, I don't know what we're I, studying. I know. Yeah. And my kids are like, I don't know. I don't study. Like I don't do school. And I'm like, okay, the, the, all these games and books and things that we're oh, reading yeah. and playing that that's called school. Like we're learning, yeah. but yeah, it's a little yeah. embarrassing when they say it in front of other people. It, it really is. It really is. Cause it's like, oh my gosh, all that hard work. And you think we're not doing anything. Yes. Yes. That drives me crazy. It's it's like changing the room, the color of the paint in your family room and they helped. And then that's like, they didn't even notice. It's like, oh yeah, I guess we did change that. It's like, Like, we went from brown to blue. Where were you? (laughs) What were you thinking during this whole process? (laughs) Seriously, kids, where were you? Um, So anyway, that was my first major obstacle. Um, and we, we went through it. Um, the kids, I think had, in fact, I talked to my oldest just yesterday. He called me, talked for a couple hours, uh, or a couple, um, half an hour or so. And he said, 
um, that our unit studies, the times that we did unit studies were, were absolutely some of his best. And I'll, 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 hopefully I'll get to tell you about one of our favorites, um, because they can, um, whenever I ask them, you know, what should we study? And that's the other trick is I always made it something that they wanted to, they wanted to study, um, because well, yeah, because then they'd have investment. Yeah, they have investment, and they wanted to do it, and it wasn't a uh, a chore. Um, and and quite frankly, I think that's one of the reasons sometimes the kids would say, "Oh, we're not studying anything." Um, and it's like, well, yeah, oh, and then oh yeah, okay, yeah, I guess we are. We're studying about Lewis and Clark this week. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, we're studying about gardening. Oh yeah, I got that. Yeah. Um, so I did. I I homeschooled. Um using the unit study. And I kind of had to do that. Um, I found that in a roundabout way. Um, and it just made sense when you're teaching six different levels, if you will. Um, and I never forced my kids to come to school air quotes, um, until they were eight. Um, often they were jealous of the other kids learning and having mommy time. So they would ask to do school. So we would pull out books, um, learning the ABCs, the colors, uh, learning, uh, words, um, learning how to read, how to write all that stuff. Um, counting math, all those preschool stuff. And they didn't, I mean, they thought they were doing school and it's literally just growing up. It's learning, right? It's just what you do as you're, as you're maturing through those, those young years. My four-year-old all the time says, I want to do math. And so yeah. we get the you know, math manipulatives out and then he yeah. plays with them for a half hour and he's like, okay, I learned math today. I'm like, yes, yeah. you did. Yeah. M&Ms are my favorite. M&Ms and Skittles were my favorite thing to teach math because they learned really fast about division and multiplication, addition, yeah. subtraction. What if mommy ate all the green? How many would you have now? oh mommy you want the great ones okay thank you yeah green (laughs) m&ms mommy tax um so i have a quick question before you go on so i want to get like a time frame so this is like the late 90s um yeah mid to late 90s yeah mid to late 90s okay and when you were starting this whole homeschooling adventure how many homeschoolers did you know um, I knew very few. Um, I knew of the lady that with the teenager walking through her house. Um, and she kind of got me involved in um, the, the, the homeschooling program or the homeschooling organization here in Washington. And I met a few, but there were few and far between and, and really nobody real local that had done it and could help me. Um, there were just a few um, that could help, um, give ideas, bounce ideas off. Um, I kind of did most of it by myself and I'm going to put an asterisk by that and I'll come back to that in just a minute. Um, but the more I got into it, the more I found other people who were doing it or thinking about doing it. And together we kind of came to an agreement. Yeah, you do it. I'll do it. We'll put together a co-op. We'll swap kids. Um, you know, you take my older ones, I'll take the younger ones, um, things like that. Did that make sense? Yeah. So you kind of gathered community over yeah. time. and Yeah, it was a gathered community. And and back then we did not have Facebook groups or anything like that. We had something called Yahoo groups. Um, and that's how we met most of the people. I would say my homeschooling community uh, geographically 
um, was about 30 miles south, 30 miles north of me. Um, I mean, you go 30 miles uh, east of me and you're in the mountains, so you can't go too far. So, I, you know, east, the east side of Seattle, if you will, the Seattle Pacific, uh, the Puget Sound area, there were, there was a fair amount of us that um, kind of formed a, a loose group. Um, in fact, we had a statewide support group on Yahoo, and we realized that we had enough locally that we could even break off and make a smaller group, and so we did. Um, and we would actually get together and do mom's nights uh, about once a month. And we, I would travel 45 minutes for a good mom's group. Um, so I met some of my best friends through um, that group. Um, in fact, the lady that I told you that we, sh- we swapped kids, um, she now lives in Virginia. Um, and her oldest and my third are the same age, almost, I think they're six months apart, um, but fast friends still. And I keep in touch with her. She's still loosely homeschooling her kids. Um, I think she only has two or three left in in high school, but they're doing the the equivalent to a running start program back there. Yeah. So I mean, I I my my friend group in homeschooling is across the nation now. I had I sat on a couple boards, national boards um, for homeschool support groups, and I the president was in in um, Houston, Texas, and we had board members from Idaho and and California. Um, so we I mean the group was huge and wide. It was not easy to find people back then, but it wasn't impossible. And all you had to do was speak up, and you could find people you know, literally next door, if you would. So that's really cool because my experience like 14, 15 years ago in Mississippi was I couldn't find anyone. I knew like one person, you know, it just wasn't common at all. And a very poor state, right? So a lot of single parents and people living well below poverty, it just wasn't done. And the South is very steeped in tradition, True. You know, and a little tiny town. Anyway, so I'm like part of I'm listening to this with just fascination. I'm like, you found homeschoolers? Yeah. It's amazing. Cause but by the time I revisited homeschooling, um, like five years, four years later, I knew a ton. But we were yeah. in Colorado. Yes, you know, Colorado. We were in a, big Col- one. a big one for homeschooling. And then after that, I just everywhere I went, I kept finding more and more and more. So it's definitely grown a ton as a movement. Yes. So yeah, it, it makes me curious. Also, like, how was your family's like reaction to you deciding to homeschool? I had mixed feelings. Well, you have to understand my mother was a um, school teacher. That was her profession. And so I was very nervous to tell my mom, um, me and uh, a non-graduated university person telling her, I'm going to homeschool your grandkids. I thought for sure she was going to go bonkers. And funny at the very same time. So my sister is much older than I am. She's 14, 15 years older than I am. She was living in California and she was not liking what her kids were learning in their public school. And so she at the same, I'm not joking, the same time was thinking, I'm going to homeschool my kids. And she was too, just like me. How do I tell my mother? And so I remember um, the, about the only way we as busy mothers could communicate with each other was sending emails. And I remember rewriting that email over and over and over to Nadine, my sister Nadine, saying, how am I going to tell her that I'm going to do this? And, and, and how do I tell mom? And I actually was sending her an email asking her, 
what do you think mom's reaction is going to be if I tell her I'm going to homeschool? And my sister replied back and said, oh my gosh, I'm typing the same thing. And so we (laughs) called each other and we laughed thinking, oh my gosh, how is this? And we both made a pact and we were going to say the next time we talked with mom, which would probably be in like two days, we never far from talking to my mom, uh, that we were both going to tell her and we were just going to pray that mom was going to be on board. The funny thing is, is that the same time my mom was, um, her, she has a granddaughter, my oldest brother's youngest child, was having some difficulties in school and um, needed some remedial help. She had some eye problems. And so my mom, um, being retired, air quotes, grandmas are never retired, um, being retired was going to be the helper and help this granddaughter who was, I think she was in third grade, fourth grade, um, help her with her special classes. And she was trying to come up with the guts to tell my sister and I, you might want to think about this homeschooling stuff. I've been doing it for a couple of weeks. It's kind of fun. So here we are, all of us trying to tell each other what we're going to do. And it's all the same thing. And so (laughs) we broke the news to my mom and she goes, oh, I'm so glad. I wanted you to at least think about it while they were little so that you could have them home. And I think you'd be such a great elementary uh, homeschooling mom. And so both my sister and I then started, I, I cherish the emails that we, because being moms of busy kids, we couldn't call each other without, okay, sorry, Nadine, I got to go, you know, fire in the basement. Oh, yeah. I, gotta go. oh, yeah. um, I think this flooding right now, you know, whatever it was. And <laughs> this so this is why texting is beautiful now. Like oh I gosh. almost exclusively oh. communicate by text because people can yell at me in the background and I don't have to apologize. <laughs> yes. I, I, I think my sister and I would have uh, blown up any minutes we were ever given. <laughs> um, but she is, she has since passed. And so I cherish the emails where we were literally, I could tell she wrote the first paragraph in the morning, the second paragraph at lunch and the last paragraph at about 1030 at night and then sent it off. That was an all day email. We'd wow. donating, but we'd share things back and forth. We'd share curriculum back and forth ideas. Uh, we bounced them off. She was a good, probably probably a good six or seven years ahead of me um, in teaching her kids. Um, Her oldest was about seven years older than my oldest. So we shared ideas. Um, My mom was a great help. Um, She would bring out, I I still have probably three or four copy paper boxes full of stuff that my mom made to help me teach with my kids. I can't get rid of it. I, you know, it's going to die with me. My kids are going to have to get rid of it for me. Um, You know, it's just, and it, you know, it's just special stuff in how to read books or, you know, my daughter would loved art. So she had, um, she made, she took postcards of artwork and made like a flip book, if you will, for yeah. my, my daughter. So I had great support from my family. My husband's family thought it would be a trend, um, that we were, she'll be, she'll get over it when it gets hard. Oh, um, like a fad. I, yeah. And my husband was, you know, he says, as long as the kids are learning, and they're passing their tests. I have no problem with it. And I could keep my sanity. Um, but it fit our family very well. I mean, we we made homeschooling part of our life. Um, you know, if it was soccer season, we'd study the countries that had soccer as their predominant um, 
activity, if you will. So we studied England and Germany and Brazil. Um, If it was baseball season, then we studied um, the history of baseball is the history of the United States in the last, you know, two, three, or 120, 30 years. Um, You know, I, I distinctly remember when we got to the Jackie Robinson story in baseball, um, my kids were in the middle of baseball season. Remember, I have five boys and then a girl. Um, my son comes up to me and he goes, I, I was like, how do I approach this racism that was so rampant and so wrong? Um, and yet that's what was, you know, culturally correct. And I mean, here we are dealing with it in, in 2020, but still, how do I teach this? And I remember my son coming up to me and goes, I don't understand why they wouldn't let him on their team. I mean, he was the best player. And I'm like, good. You got it, kid. Yeah. Um, but, but then to introduce why there might be people have feelings towards this and what brought those feelings and what do we do when we have those kinds of feelings and talking about that. But it truly was studying baseball is literally the study of, of the cultural U S history. And it was fun. It was great. Um, so that was, unit. we did unit studies for many, many years. Um, I did separate out math and music. I just, when they got into algebra, I just couldn't figure out how to get, algebraic equations into like the westward movement it just I just my brain can only hold so much but that wasn't one of them so I I I did separate I took out um the math and then I hired a a music teacher for him and all my kids play multiple instruments not of any because I am great or anything um just because they loved it and I had a great teacher Um, but I did I did do unit studies and and how it became part of the family. So um, our favorite, and the kids asked to do it again, was we did probably, now when I did unit studies, I would plan out literally eight weeks and it'd probably go 10 just because we never could keep on the schedule. Something would happen, somebody would get sick. So we, you know, that's two weeks grace period. And well, I that's, liked, and that's the beauty of homeschooling is yeah. you can, oh, right? Yeah. Just extend yeah. it. Yeah. And so I would flip between doing a history and then a science. And then I try to shove everything except for math into that. So we do social studies, we do spelling, we do vocab, we'd even do music because I made my kids come up with songs about whatever subject we were doing. Um, And we would, you know, all the, the subjects that um, the state of Washington required us to do. And sometimes I'm like, excuse me, just, just, just as in there, it, you know, you can't separate it out. Social studies, when you're studying history, it just goes together. So anyway, um, this unit study on Lewis and Clark. So it happened to be that Lewis and Clark's bicentennial was coming up in 2003, the 200 year anniversary of them coming West. I grew up in the state of Washington uh, down by the Columbia river in the tri cities. And I loved the rich history that we had with Lewis and Clark, um, parks named Lewis and Clark, Sacagawea, um, all the, that rich history. I remember studying it. Uh, my fa- our family and my family, when I was growing up, we would go to uh, the Oregon coast and the Washington coast where they walked and their statues of them. And so to me, Lewis and Clark was just a natural something. And I loved it. It was a great 
introduction to the expansion of the United States, um, lots of rich history in there, lots of opportunities. And as I'm sitting here laying this out, my kids kept asking for more information, more information, more study, more study. What happened to be just an eight-week course turned out to be almost a three-month long uh, unit study. And then I got to thinking, honey, what if we drive back to St. Louis and then followed the Lewis and Clark Trail out to the Columbia River? You've got time off. It would be a great summer vacation. We could go after baseball season's over. And that would be a great capstone, if you will, to the study. And we did. We drove wow. straight out to St. Louis and we followed the Lewis and Clark Trail um, as best as we, as the roads would allow us all the way out to the Pacific Ocean. And the, the interesting thing was, is that whenever we came to one of these, and, and, and because it was the 200th anniversary, all of the visitor centers were gearing up for, uh, you know, the birthday party, if you will. And so they were, they were well stocked. They were, I mean, just outdone themselves. The one in St. Louis was absolutely just awesome. And I remember that I, took my kids aside and said, listen, kids, when the, when the park ranger is asking questions, you don't have to answer all of them. Um, because we had studied it so much that they knew. In fact, some of them would say, well, that's not exactly right. If you read in Lewis's, um, you know, journals and I'm like, oh, kids, just please don't just, embarrass just let, me. Let him say his thing. Um, but we did, we followed it. Now, was it a rosy? Oh no. There we had, um, you know, I'm pulling this car over. You guys don't stop fighting. Oh, um, yeah. We had those episodes, but every family has them. But it was three weeks where my kids learned so much. We learned so much about ourselves. We learned so much about the country. We, I mean, I've never been past the Rocky Mountains. So for me, it was awesome. Wow. So it was just a great experience. And all of my kids, every single one of them will say that was one of their best experiences in homeschooling is when we, when we capped off the Lewis and Clark and we traveled. Um, we did the same thing, not as extensive, but we did the same thing with Yellowstone. About five years later, we went to, we studied Yellowstone and then we took a field trip to Yellowstone. And once again, they were like, yeah, we know this as we go talk to the Rangers or, you know, go see another geyser or something um which was great because going somewhere and knowing all about it and learning more and seeing it um you know up close and personal just brings it to, to life um it brings so learning cool. to life that like you're giving me such good ideas because i grew up in the midwest and we uh, went to st louis fairly often and like there's all there's you know the oregon trail that goes through yeah the area and yeah, that gets me so excited. And my dad hasn't quite made the genealogical connection, but supposedly we're descended from William Clark. Ooh. My maiden name, my maiden name is Clark. Oh, so my fun. kids, so living here, you know, of course we've seen like their recreated fort and things out yeah. here. But now well, I'm like, oh, this would be so fun. We could go and retrace yeah. the trail. Yeah, well, we found that the best that now, of course, this was in 2003. The three best visitor centers was the one at Clatsop, which is here in the 
the um, coast, the Pacific coast, the one in St. Louis, and then there was one in the Great Falls area. Those were the three that were the best. And um, the highlights of our trip, we stayed extra. And we literally went with no plan. So we, we no itinerary. We knew that we had to be home by such and such a day because my husband had to go back to work. And I think soccer was starting up, so we had to come back for that. Um, but we literally had no plan. And we also knew that going, if we went, traced it backwards, that if life got hard, we'd turn around and come back. And we thought, no, let's go out, follow it back. And then if life gets hard, we can come, you know, come on back. But we, but we didn't, we followed it all the way. Now I got to put an asterisk by that. We stopped in the Tri-Cities where my, where my parents are, or, or were living at the time and then came home because we'd done from the Tri-Cities to the coast. Uh, million times. So that was not anything new. And it's, there's no, there's nothing fun. I'm sorry. It's kind of boring once you've done it as many times as I've done it from Tri-Cities to Portland and to the coast. It's like, yeah, been there, done that. So my kids, no, but that was, that was one of our, our best. Um, Yellowstone was a great one. Um, we had some great ones. We did the Olympics. Oh my gosh. Doing the Olympics. Anytime there was an Olympics, um, we sat there and we would, um, we, and this is how old I am. We actually videotaped on VHS the opening ceremonies. And every time a flag would come by, we'd go to the map and we'd find out where that country was. And then we'd do a little, you know, how many um, athletes that person has and what's the population, what's the percentage. Ah, math in the middle of this. Um, uh, you know, and we've, I mean, my kids know where a lot of countries are that people have not even a clue that it was a country um, just because we just did things like that. So, you know, you can make anything part of school and we, we would have some fun times. Uh, I remember doing the Olympics in our backyard, um, throwing sticks, quote unquote, javelins, you know, throwing the Frisbee, <laughs> it's called a discus, um, swimming, um, you know. Okay, our pool was only like 12 feet diameter, but you know, we swam in the pool and um, <laughs> had some great, you know, we had some great times, but it just is making life school and school life. And that's what we did. And uh, another one, we had a huge, um, we pulled in, in our first house that we lived in, we had 22 trees that we pulled down and then we had to re-landscape. So we learned all about plants, um, how to grow plants. My son was in uh, Boy Scouts and he decided that he was going to get his gardening merit badge. Best pumpkins we ever grew. Um, of course, it wasn't me who grew them. It was him. But we made planter boxes and he planted. Um, he made a pond. Um, just some fun things that we did and, and you know, let the boys and the girl play in the dirt and just learn. And he, they still talk about those um, projects, if you will, those learning experiences. I love how um, you said life is school and school is life. Cause I think that's the real key to success and homeschooling and, or feeling, you know, having that feeling that you're doing the right thing and this is all working is embracing it more as a lifestyle than this like compartmentalized thing that you do part of your day. You know, it's just yeah. part of life, part of the in and out of every day. Yeah. In fact, I was talking to my oldest just yesterday and I asked him, I go, or he said something about, yeah, when you were doing this and we were just goofing off and I'm like, you think you were goofing off? Is that really what you think you were doing? And he goes, yeah. And I'm like, oh, okay. That's interesting because you weren't, you know, I had, you were doing this as a study and he's like, oh, really? like yeah <laughs> so we just kind of it just kind of 
you know, there was no really set hours. In the morning, we'd do our study, if you will, and then we'd go play. Um, but our play was always for some, you know, there was some purpose behind what they considered play. Um, whether it was, you know, throwing eggs off the deck and seeing which one could land, you know, without, you know, can we put bubble wrap, enough bubble wrap around the eggs? Yes, so egg drop. And, they, and they, they seriously thought that was playing. Like, okay. Because <laughs> they were Whatever. playing. They were having yeah. fun, you know? Yeah. And all of a sudden, army men are starting to go off the deck with parachutes too. And, you know, this, that, and the other thing. And, oh, okay. Um, you know, but they were learning. They were learning um, a lot of science, a lot of fun stuff. Okay, so in 2008, no, excuse me, 2009, I started feeling a pain in my back. And we were coming into the end of the traditional school year. Um, Did we take summers off? Yeah, just because we went on vacation with everybody else. Um, But we really didn't take it off. I, I would say, literally, I would say to the kids, here's your math curriculum. When you're done with your math curriculum, then you're done. When you're done with this English curriculum, um, I, I, best thing I ever did was hire an English tutor. I am not joking. Best money I ever spent. My mom told me, save the relationship. And when we got to starting to do the writing, my oldest was just going into high school. And we were having quite some headbutting episodes, if you will. And I decided I'm not going to ruin this. He doesn't want to go to public school, so I have to hire a tutor. I got in touch. I I do not know how I got in touch with Anne. Um, But in a roundabout way, I found this this lady who lived literally in the next town over. She's one of my closest tutors um, that I hired. And I said, I have a high school student who needs to learn how to write, and we are fighting. Um, I need him to learn to have a little better reading comprehension. I need you to teach English, if you will. And she says, oh, great, because she is a col- she was a college professor and she was done. And she but she wanted to keep she loved teaching. She just wanted to get out of the bureaucracy of teaching at a community college. And so she said, I will gladly take a class on. And I said, a class. And she said, yeah, find me a couple other kids and I'll do it as a class. And I said, OK. So I scrounged up a group of kids and um, she started teaching them once a week. I had two kids in this class. And eventually everybody else kind of pittered out and it was just my kids. And she decided that she was just going to do it one-on-one by the end of that school year. I think it was his eighth grade school year. If we go backwards and figure out what school year it was for him. And she by far was the best money I spent. Um, She taught them how to write, how to put essays together, how to do research papers, you name it. She taught them to love books. She let, she stretched their reading comprehension, their, their books in any gen, uh, genre, if you will. Um, anything from classics to modern. Um, she just had them just loving to go to her class. Now they didn't necessarily like writing, but she was a great teacher. And I actually put every single one of my kids in her class. And because I have them so quick, close together, I literally had a kid in there. And, um, the, my daughter literally was her last student. There was a moving van in her driveway, basically on the last day that my daughter, which is my youngest was there for her last class. Um, and my daughter actually, the next year was in the Running Start program. And she actually said, Mom, she had to take an English class. 
And she said, oh my gosh, Anne taught me much more than this person's ever teaching me. And I've been sitting here, uh, you know how they do student peer review. And she was peer reviewing a, a, a class, a, another student's paper. And she's like, oh my gosh, Anne would have so much fun with this. And and I said, well, you have fun with it. And so she did. And she marked it up just like Anne would. Um, so best best money I ever spent was hiring um, Anne and then my music teacher. I, I'm a music person myself. I could have taught my kids piano. But once again, my mom said, save the relationship. And so I saved the relationship and I taught and I hired somebody. And he came to our house because I had so many students. Um, we had six at one time. I paid him for six lessons one year. Oh um, and he literally came for three hours. He'd come Monday morning, nine o'clock for three hours. Um, well, that's like a music teacher's dream, though. Yeah. To have to have a family yeah. with six kids, and you just that I. So I'm a professional musician, and I teach a lot of music, but I still hire it out for a lot of my kids. Like once it reached that point where we're butting heads, it's I feel the same way. Save the yeah. relationship. Yeah. And some of them have pursued instruments I don't play. Yeah. I don't play very well, you know, so then I have to outsource it, but yeah, I don't play guitar and every, I think every one of my kids plays guitar. Yeah. So yeah, I didn't. And they all have their different level of comfort with where they want to take music. Um, some of them have continued on, some of them mess around on the piano, some of them uh, mess around on their guitar. Um, it's really interesting to see where they've each taken that love of music. But that was one thing that I, that in English, I did not want them to hate because mom taught it. So I hired those two out. So is there something, is there something they do hate because mom taught it? I don't know. Like you said, you didn't want them to hate something. So I'm like, what did they hate? I'm curious. I don't know. Though they each have different loves. Um, I did also hire out art, but that was more because I wanted somebody else to clean up the art mess. (laughs) Yeah. Um, That's not 100% 100% true, but that is part of the thing. I had a friend who was in a, a master's class or was she taking her PhD? I can't remember what she was going for, but she needed guinea pigs and she knew I homeschooled and she said, can I borrow your kids? And it turned into this after school thing that she had. And I, she said, will you keep sending your kids to this? And I did. And I actually, my youngest fell in love with art and she's she's just beautiful artist and that's what she's going to pursue, uh, get her degree in here in a, in a, about a month, a year and a half, uh, as a fine artist. Um, that's cool. So, you know, I, there's a few things and it was more of an after school thing, supporting a friend, um, easy to do. And I didn't have to clean up the glitter or the glue. I didn't have to go buy thousands of dollars worth of art stuff to store, to get hard because that's exactly what paint would do in my house. So I just had, you know, I just that's how Stephanie I feel about teach. art too. Like we've d- gone through years where we've had like amazing art teachers and, you know, just, just the right person. And then we do it for a really long time. And then we've moved a lot and then we don't find a good fit or we have kids who are just not that engaged. But for me, just acquiring all the supplies, like I could spend money instead on classes or lessons where they could really get better mentoring than what I could provide anyway. And yeah. yes. we've got we've gotten lucky. We have a little school here because Washington has the alternative learning experience schools. Yes. You know, and so it's twice a week they can go and take an art class at this school and have, you know, so my 17 year old did drawing a few years ago and had a wonderful experience with that art teacher. So I love how you just keep telling these stories of these resources you keep finding and the right people and 
that's some of that's a big part of homeschooling too. It's not that you always want them home all the time, teach them all the things. It's being resourceful and reaching out and talking to people and say, "Hey, you do this and I'll do this," and looking for the right you know, person. I've Absolutely. done a lot of, I've done a ton of swaps because I'm a musician. I'll teach your kid and you teach them Spanish and I'll give them piano lessons and, and things like that. You know, you don't have to be like, have a ton of money to do this either. You can right. use your resources you can find. Yeah. I, co-ops. Um, when my kids were young, co-ops were like a godsend. I could, first off, I could give somebody my kids and they would go, have a structured lesson and then they'd play, you know, have recess, whatever you want to call it, play date, whatever they'd go play, um, at their house, you know, at Julie's house. And then she had them on Tuesday. I had them on Thursdays and we'd swap and it was, it was great. You know, I taught geography because geography was one, is one of my favorite subjects. Um, and she taught, well, you know, social studies. I don't know what, what, we each taught, but we took turns teaching and it was great um, because that was one less thing I had to teach. I'm going to teach it anyway. Our kids were about the same age. We kept swapping kids. Uh, it's great. It was wonderful. And on top of that, my kids got to see somebody besides the, uh, their siblings, which is yes. always a bonus. <laughs> um, it really is. Um, so that's what that's what I, I, I highly recommend if you can find somebody who has kids that kind of match up and you have a strength and, and the other parent has a strength to go with those strengths, um, teach them. Um, when I had cancer, I had a mom who who knew uh, she, she's just a wonderful cook and I'm not. I, I cook to survive. Um, my kids aren't starving. There you go. But she, she's a, I mean, she's a wonderful cook. I could, I could eat at her house any and every day. And it, I mean, she'd make, she makes spaghetti taste good. I don't know how you do that, but she makes it good. And she came in while I was through cancer treatment. She came in once a week and would teach, uh, teach my kids how to make two dinners and she would make those two dinners with my kids. We'd eat one of them and the other one would go in for quote leftovers or the freezer for later in the week. And therefore my kids were very well fed. Um, they learned. Um, in fact, I don't, there's a chili recipe that literally I call it Matthew's chili because Matthew was the one who was the like head chef when she came and taught that one. And so it's now Matthew's chili and it's, we use it. He's a, you know, he's off married and is a college student and he still makes that chili. That's um, awesome. So, you know, it's just like, that's awesome. So that's so cool. I, and this is while you have, you were dealing with cancer treatments so yeah. that this friend would come. What a yeah. blessing. That's awesome. In fact, I had many people th- say that my, when I had cancer, that that was the end of my homeschooling. And it, I bet. Yeah. It could have been, it maybe should have been, I don't know. Um, but we decided that that was the year that we were going to study the human body and we found out what was happening inside my body and what we needed to do to fight it and to win. And, uh, thankfully the bad part of my cancer treatment happened during the summer. Um, so when I was mostly out of it, as my kids could say, they got away with murder. They say uh-uh. I was, it was the summertime and they were off in camps cause they were old enough to go to camps. My youngest was 10 at the time. So they were off doing, you know, scout camps and girls camps and all those fun things that they did in the summertime, um, sports camps and all that jazz. And I just stayed home and tried desperately not to throw up anymore. Uh, 
so it was, it was, he was, my oldest was a senior in high school. So I even had a driver at home. So, so it was, you know, if, if, if I had to pick a time to have cancer, that would have been, that was a good time to have cancer, quote unquote. Um, but we learned a lot. We learned a lot about, um, the human body, about, um, you know, medicine, gross stuff. Um, and we just, you know, life is school. School is life. So we learned. Yeah. I I had something similar. I had a kind of a health crisis about four or five years ago. It like slowly grew and then got worse and worse before we kind of figured out what was going on. And that was a huge part of school for a year or so, just talking about nutrition and talking about the human body. And it just became part of what we were doing, you know, me trying to figure out how to get better and the kids learning along with that process. And it's been huge for them now you know, as they make decisions about their health and, you know, to go, oh, this is what I know. This is how I understand how, you know, the digestive system works and this is how the brain works. And yeah. it's an opportunity, you know, though that's not to say that like, if you'd chosen to put your kids back in school, they probably still would have been fine too. Yeah. You know, but it definitely seemed to have worked out. Yeah, it sure did. I, I, I do miss it. Um, I will give this one piece of advice to those that are coming to the end of their homeschooling career. Um, I talked to a mentor of mine and she, I was probably Jessica, my baby girl was probably sixth or seventh grade. And I asked her, I go, I asked her what I'm trying to come up with my, my one piece of advice to give other moms, what would be yours? And she told me, when you come to the end of your homeschool career, what are you going to do next? Because I will tell you the day that she went off to running start, I was out of a job. And I literally sat and had hours that I had nothing to fill my day with because I had been homeschooling literally every day for 20 some years and I was now out of a job. And I wasn't quite sure what I was going to do. And that was a eye opener. It was smack yourself in the face. I've got to decide what the heck I'm going to do with my life now. Um, and I thankfully had two years to decide what I was going to do before she went to running start and I lost my job. And therefore I could have a, you know, my backup plan. What am I going to do next with my life? Um, because I had been homeschooling for so long, I didn't know what else to do. You know, you wake up, here's your daily schedule. We got to get in our math. We got to get in our reading. We got to get in our spelling, our social studies, our what's this unit study now. Uh, you know, you kind of run it like a business. And this is what is on the to-do list. And all of a sudden your business is gone because they got left. You know, did I get retired or did I get fired? I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> but one way or the other, it ended. And I have thought long and hard about, you know, I'm kind of bored today. With this quarantine, I'm like bored. I'm out of a job. I'm a personal trainer. So my gym's closed. I like, I got nothing to do and it's driving me crazy. Um, and I don't know if this is what it would have been like, had I not had something to, to do after she went to, after she went off to running start, I probably would have gone to the funny farm. Because it's yeah. boring. Life <laughs> is literally boring when you don't have anything to do. I had a little like glimpse of this because my oldest 
went and did a, like a humanitarian project in Costa Rica. Oh, and so that day she left because she finished, she did running start as well. She didn't start it till her senior year. So she didn't uh-huh. get the associates and then was trying to decide what to do and found this humanitarian program. And so just saved money and got ready to go worked full time. And she left and it suddenly hit me that this was just the beginning. Like I was now in this stage where now they're all just going to start leaving. Yeah. And, yeah. So I want to know what your advice is. To, yeah. Find, like, find something that you love um, that will take that time because you're going to have time on your hand that you never, ever knew that you had. And mm-hmm. there, it's like you're getting fired. You know, yes. and you're not done. I'm not done with life. I'm barely 50 years old. I got lots more life in me. Um, thankfully, when I had when I started my cancer treatments, I that's when I fell in, fell in love with with um, running and fitness. Not that I didn't do it before, but my whole the whole view shifted as to why I was doing going to aerobics classes back when it was called aerobics and not Zumba or cardio. (laughs) It is now. It's funny. Do you guys do cardio or spin? It's like, yeah, that's like the aerobics classes back in the eighties. People come on, get with it. (laughs) Not much different. Get the heart rate up, burn some calories. That's exactly what you're doing. But anyway, I I'm thankful, thankfully had a switch there and I started running and I started getting into fitness. And once again, I went back to I had a dear friend say, you know, what are you going to do? And I went back to what did I go to college to do? And it was to teach, which I've been doing and to coach. And I thought I could coach. And so I went into uh, teaching and coaching as a personal trainer. And I'm also a strength and conditioning coach at our high school for the uh, dance team. When we get to start back up, my daughter was a dancer. Actually. Yeah. When you actually get to do it when you're not in quarantine. Yeah. Yeah. That's something I've always felt kind of strong about that my kids need to see that I have interests and that yes. I have passions, you know, and like ever since they were tiny, I always, well, for a long time I was in orchestras or I would go and play in a professional quartet and, you know, they would see me go to book group and, you know, these things that I was passionate about. And that's like gotten more, like I've focused more on that as I've gotten older even though my life has gotten busier and harder because I just felt like they, I want these things so that I don't feel totally lost when you guys leave. Yeah. You know, and also because it shows you that this is what adult life can look like where you're doing things you love and are invested in. And so you don't think being an adult's the worst thing ever. You know, I, I remember a couple of times I would pick up like it would be summer and we're going to the, you know, go on a camping trip and it's totally has nothing to do with schooling. I mean, I tried really hard. We are not going to make this a learning experience. We're just going to go. <laughs> and I would, I would pick up a, a book and inevitably one of the kids would say, are we going to have to learn that book? This is mommy's book. This is nothing to do with schooling, but you know what? It's, it was really hard to not find something to teach every time we went somewhere. Um, I remember, I think the first time my husband and I went away, yes, we were in Hawaii for our first like couple thing. I think my youngest was, I think she was three or four. 
And we left them all and we went for a week in Hawaii. And every time we were at a new spot, I was like, oh, the kids would love this. Oh, I should teach them about this. I should. And I had to, it took me about three days in Hawaii to think you don't have to be here to learn, Doreen. Just relax. (laughs) Just go enjoy. But to this day, I, I still have that this reminds me of when we schooled this, or this is when we taught this, or whenever I want to do a gardening thing, I cannot help but think of sitting around doing our germination and we're feeding one set of seeds with just vinegar and another one with water, one with cold water, one with hot water, one that gets the sun, one that doesn't get the sun at all and is in the, is in the garage in the back corner, one that's in the fridge. So it'd be cold, you know, all the different places that we put those little seedlings. And whenever I start a, a seedling, if you will, or a garden, I keep thinking, Hmm, don't pour vinegar on that one. <laughs> you know, it's something that we learned. And I hope my kids still remember that and, and learned from that. But we had many adventures like that, you know, building a deck, learn how, you know, to, to measure things twice and, and all those things that life skills that you can turn into a lesson. That's what we did. That sounds like it was an amazing experience. I'm not surprised that none of your kids wanted to go to school if that's what they were experiencing, you know, at home. They're like, no, this is amazing. In all honesty, my oldest who called me the other day, he said, I think I would have done and I think I should have done two years of high school so that when I went off to the big college that I failed And there were uh, that when I went off to the college, it didn't cost me so much when I failed. And I said, but what didn't you do that at running start? And he says, no, because you were still on me every day to do my homework. And you weren't, I mean, when they went off to a big college and I said, but if you would have gone to school and we had a great discussion with each other about that. And he had a, he had some valid points into putting a child into the high school. And I asked him, what about social? And he says, I don't know. And he says, I really don't know, but I think I should have done one year. And I asked him, I go, why you, you were given the choice every year. And he goes, cause I didn't want to do the homework. And I'm like, Oh, didn't want to do the homework because he didn't think that what he was doing at home was homework. Oh. You know? Yeah. He had papers to write, but that, that was school. That wasn't homework. If that makes sense. Yeah. That was school. It wasn't homework. Um, it was an interesting conversation that I had with him. But, you know, he, he, he says, what high schooler wants or what teenager wants to do homework? And he's right. Yeah. Nobody. Only the, well, that's not true. There are some that do. My daughter did. But she only wanted to do homework that she liked. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> there is that. <sighs> My 15-year-old, she takes, um, so she is a freshman this year, and she takes biology in world history at this alternative learning school. So she goes twice a week and she just really wanted to see if she could cut it. Right. Yeah. Like if she could, yeah. how she would do in that setting. And, but she didn't really want to go full time and give up a lot of her autonomy. Yeah. And she didn't want to do things she didn't want to do. She didn't want to take a class just cause that's what it's required to graduate. You know, she was like, no. And that was just the right amount for her. Whereas my other kids were like, no, I don't want to go do that. That sounds dumb. Like, I don't want to be in that environment. But she was like, I just want to see if I can cut it, you know, if I can handle it. 
and ended up being so much easier than she expected it to be. Her biology teacher was is wonderful, and that was challenging. But the world history class just didn't end up being anything, anything remarkable. But for her, it was like curiosity. Like, do I have what it takes? And it didn't matter if I said, yeah, you do. I know you have what it takes. I'm trying to get you to do more. Yeah. You know, than the bare minimum. So, but yeah, for her, it was definitely something that she needed. But I think that's, I mean, what you're talking about is just hindsight, right? Like to look back and go, well, guess maybe we should have tried this or, but it doesn't matter what kind of educational path we're taking everybody's gonna do that they're gonna look back and go maybe i should have tried this or i don't know i there's no right or wrong answer it is what it is we do have to deal with it um move forward learn from it life is school school is life um I'm going to like, I'm going to make like a sign out of that or something, by the way. That's my favorite thing. Oh. I keep saying. I'm like, well, the other one that's, that's, I guess it's no longer on my whiteboard here is the, I always said an, a mistake is an opportunity to learn. Um, and that's what yeah. we tried to teach the kids, you know, is that a mistake is an opportunity to learn. I love that. I used to have a sign up too, that said, I can do hard things. Yeah. And that was something that I would just point to it and the kids would be like, uh, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So we, at the very end, we stopped doing unit studies when the kids basically were, the last one was in junior high and we did math, science, and history as a, like, like textbook-ish more um, than a unit study. But my kids really, really loved our unit studies and it was an easy way to teach all of them. I could make it harder for the older and, and, and easier for my youngers. Um, and, and it was always something that they wanted. We always flipped between science and history and they always got to choose. Um, and we take turns choosing, but because they were mostly boys, it was pretty easy. They all wanted the same things. You know, the younger ones always wondered what the older ones wanted because it was cool or whatever. Yeah. Um, but we had some great time. We had some fun, fun times. What was your favorite of all those unit studies? I loved our unit study in, once again, Lewis and Clark, it'll come back. That was, that was one of my favorite. And I loved when we studied uh, the geography of the world and we did, uh, we would take two weeks in each country and we'd explore it. Uh, We'd make food of whatever country. Oh man, did we have some really good stuff and some really bad stuff. (laughs) I cannot make uh, Russian food. I just don't get it. (laughs) <laughs> um, we loved the Mexican food. In fact, Mexican food, we went out for Mexican food. Oh, a good plan. Um, but we had to search. We had to search for authentic Mexican food. We couldn't yeah. do the, to, uh, you know, like the Xtapa taco time, that type of thing. No, we had to yeah. go find real, real tacos. Yeah. Um, but we had some fun times. We actually, I did it as a co-op with a friend and we actually had guests who came in and would talk about the, the, whether they lived there because they were um, visiting for a couple years or whether they were born there. We had somebody who lived in Russia. Oh, her accent was hard to understand her, but she was great. We had somebody, a really good friend of mine who uh, was born in Mexico city and uh, she was just a little spitfire of a lady. She came in and she brought her big dress and the girls got to try on that heavy, heavy dress. I remember them standing in the, in the playroom with that big dress on 
the, yeah. all the jewelry and all the sequins and all that stuff on that dress, the little girls just, that's heavy. I mean, we did, we had people from Japan. We had some Australians. They speak with a funny accent, my kids said. But we had some great time. We had we had a great time. That's cool that um, you're able to find people from all those other all those countries. I guess that's the well, perk of living near Seattle, right? Like Yeah, well, yeah, and Microsoft right brought all those people here. But the interesting thing is, is we did that before there was Facebook and we found those people and it did take time. I couldn't just say, you know, put a post on Facebook saying, hey, listen, anybody local, you know, lived in Russia or Jamaica or, you know, South Africa. We actually had somebody who, who had lived in South Africa come and talk to us. Um, so it wasn't hard to find these people and it wasn't easy. It just took time. And that was the that was the one thing is I had to really be on top of it. I mean, I'd schedule people three months in advance just because it took me months to find people sometimes. So, you know, but it was, it was fun. It was fun. I, I, that was a fun thing. And and we always had food and that was our, you know, some of it we made, some of it we bought, some of the, the guests would bring, but, um, I, I was, I was a, I, I still am a huge proponent. If somebody knows something better than me or more than me, bring them in and have them teach the kids, whether it be on a video um, Netflix was my friend or whether it be, uh, in person, those of course the best. Oh, one year we had a, a, a deaf gentleman teach a co-op class of about, you know, I think there was about 20 people who came, 20 kids that came to my house and he totally deaf. So all communication had to be through sign. And I know about enough to say, okay, and spell my name. And so I really did not, I do not know sign language at all. And I got connected with him. I cannot, another homeschool mom. And she said, do you think we could put a class together? And I did. We had about 20 kids and he came, I think it was once a week. And he taught the kids some sign language and he left every day telling a story in sign. And we had to interpret not knowing hardly any of it. And he was such a fantastic storyteller. I still remember his hat, his his sign that made his little hat. He was riding a horse in this story and his little hat flying and the kids are just giggling and loving it. But that was a great, great experience. You know, inviting people in who know more than you, secret. Because they're the experts. I'm not. I'm just good at getting people to come in and talk to my kids and teach them. I think that's so. very cool. Very cool experiences that you gave yeah. your kids. That's yeah. awesome. I just hope they remembered them. And if they don't, it's okay. I did. Yeah. And you know, like think of the ways that you learned and growed, the grew, yeah. growed. Yeah. It's okay. So. We, we, we speak English here. <laughs> yes, we do. So tell me a little bit. I know we, we've been talking for a while. So if you're still game, tell me a little bit oh, about sure. how did you get involved in like these national organizations? And like, it's hard, it's hard for me to imagine now because there's so many like it's such a huge thing, but you know, when I was first attempted homeschooling there, I didn't even know of any national organizations, didn't even know that was a thing. So how did you get involved in that? How did you like doing that? I guess I was the one who typed the most on Yahoo. I don't know. <laughs> so you were vocal. You were vocal. I and- guess I was vocal. <laughs> yeah, I I seriously went in searching. I'm I still am searching for the best of whatever it is. Like in my business, uh, is there a new exercise? Is there something better? So I'm always doing research. I always feel like 
I, I'm the one who has the 40 tabs across the, you know, Google, Internet Explorer, whatever it is today. I don't know what they're called anymore. I'm the one who has the 20 pages open and, you know, the music, I'm not sure which web page is playing that music, but Hey, it's nice. But anyway, I was always doing research and always asking questions and always wanting to know what's better. Is there something best is I'm struggling with this. How do we fix this? I wasn't a quiet, I'm not a quiet person. And so I would ask and ask and ask, and I'd find mentors. Um, I would find other like-minded people and, somebody would say, well, we should start a group. And I was like, okay, I'll do it. You know, I'm, I, I hate inaction. I hate sitting. I am a goer. And this quarantine has got me crazy. I um, totally feel you on there. And Just, yeah. so I had to do something. And so I did it. And in doing so, I guess, by default, I was like the boss and I just got connected with other people. Um, I guess that's kind of how it is. And, and somebody moves out of the state and she finds the person in that state and she connects that person back to me. And that's how it kind of grew. And I found uh, about the time my kids were 13, the oldest was 13. Um, a friend of mine noticed that there was a lack of a really good national homeschool association so she says hey let's start one um in particular we were looking one that would cater to putting on a youth conference for kids to come and see that they weren't the only ones and so we put together a a teen conference in the middle of the winter in the middle of the mountains in utah um she did it all the way from houston it's kind of like a central location everybody could fly into salt lake type of a thing so i took my three teens to utah and um thankfully i had a couple boys who sat on the board and did the planning of it it was a great success i wish we could have continued it longer but i think that was about the time um that the downturn in the economy hit and it was uh, no longer feasible to do it but we we started a a website i think her i think the president of that her son took over and has changed it a little bit i i'm no longer involved in it but i still have articles out there i was writing articles prolifically freelancing homeschool articles for many many years i ran a website too Um, basically that website was where i put all the links that i found to the units that i was doing seriously it was basically for me to go find it later Um, and then something happened and it died and i couldn't resurrect it and at that time I was about done homeschooling and I said, I can, and, and, and I will tell you the internet has totally and completely changed from when I began. When I began, there was no real web search for anything homeschooling. It was all done. You went and got Mary Pride's book from the library and learned what was the best curriculum through her. And then maybe you'd go to a homeschool conference that your, your, not your, homeschool organization in your state put on and find somebody, meet somebody there that would help you learn. Cause otherwise it was, it was slim pickings. We really did not have much. It was, uh, I almost felt like it was an underground movement, but it wasn't really underground. It was just on the side streets of the big city. And we would, you know, just find each other, yeah, t- talk to each other. Um, and that's kind of how it's, that's how it started. You know, you just found each other. You just were, you know, you go to church, you go to this soccer function, 
You know, what school do your kids go? Oh, my kids are homeschooled. Oh, really? You should talk to so-and-so. She homeschools her kid. Oh, you should talk to so-and-so. Oh, this person. Oh, what? Oh, you know what? I'm a computer programmer. I'd love to teach your kids. Or I'm this. And I, I, you just open your mouth and it's like, whoa, wait a minute. I can't write this fast enough. You do what now? Oh, you do this? Oh, yeah, thank you. Oh, yeah, cool. And all of a sudden you've got a long list of stuff. And today now you just Google it. Yeah. And you'll find the people. So I, you guys are so lucky in this day and age to have as much at your fingertips as you do. We, it it we, is pretty amazing. We would have library books. I seriously would take in a wagon to get our library books. <laughs> well, we still do that, even though we have yeah. the internet. Yeah. Nothing quite like a book in your hand. Yeah. Library books galore. In fact, I was... Uh, do not take this book out of the house. We will never find it again. Um, yeah, library books, library books, library. I mean, I remember going to the gym with a library book on the states as we were going. We've studied all 50 states. As we were going through the states, you know, figuring out what we were going to study next. So I think fun. I think that is the hardest thing on our family right now is not having access to the library. Oh, Like that like is I say, murdering us. I, in fact, I was at a doctor appointment today and he knew that I was a homeschooler and he goes, how did you do it? And I go, I didn't do it like you guys are doing it. I had the library. I had the parks. I had, you know, we, we had soccer. We had the playground. We had going over to a friend's house. We had co-ops. We had the library, the library, the library. We had all the plethora of stuff. You guys are doing crisis schooling. This is not homeschooling. So you know, and, and on top of that, oh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, on top of that, we went at our own pace. These people are getting told, you know, this is what the school is doing and this is the lesson for the day. Yeah. And if we didn't, if we woke up and we had a sore throat or something cool was happening or it was sunny, I live in Seattle. If it was a sunny day, it was probably recessed 50% of the day because <laughs> we didn't, we knew that tomorrow it wasn't going to be sunny and, and we could do whatever school we missed that next afternoon. So yeah, you know, absolutely. We just... So you were going to go on and say something about, Oh yeah. I was... Yeah. What's interesting to me is how many people are saying, Oh, I really like this. I really like this being home and being more involved. And I'm like, wow, wait till you actually like really homeschool. Like this is so much better. But I think that there are a lot of families who are saying, Oh, this is kind of nice. There's no rush to get out the door. There's, you know, there's still some of that. And I know there's a lot of moms too, who are like, I'm just my child's personal assistant and making sure they get to all their zoom meetings on time. And yeah, you know, but I think that, I think I read an article recently about the perception of homeschooling, how that is gone up and like people feel more positively now about it yeah. than they ever have before. Cause they're, I can see that happening. Yeah. So I think that's pretty interesting too. Yeah, I've had I've had a few people reach out to me, and I, I just remind them that what you're doing is not homeschooling. You can't go to the library. Um, granted, you have the web, which we didn't have. You know, Kindle, um, pulling books down. You know, checking out books on your Kindle or whatever like that. We didn't have that stuff. But um, yeah, you guys are doing it different. Oh, I got a story for you. Yeah, tell me a story. This is a fun one. So my oldest. I, I 
because I was his teacher, I knew exactly what he knew how to read and what he didn't want to read. But he want, he, he he's the one who my mother was so right. Save the relationship. Save the relationship. He now just lives, you know, 15 minutes from my house. And, you know, he's coming over tonight for dinner. Don't tell anybody that we're in quarantine that he's doing that. <laughs> but, um, he's coming over for dinner. Bring this cute little family. My Grandma needs feel. her time. Thank you. You can, you can edit that part out. But anyway, <laughs> the relationship, save the relationship, Doreen. And I, so I saved the relationship with this kid and I didn't beat him over the head, but man, he was stubborn. He did not want to learn to read. He didn't want to learn to count. And yet I knew what he knew because I could sit there and see what he was doing. And I had a rule and I still hold by this rule, although now they all can read. I do not read video games. So if you want to know how Zelda gets to another place, you'll have to learn how to read. So that was my number one rule. And the other one is we had is my husband um, always read them uh, at night. That was his time that he read them a book at night. Now, granted, that was usually so that they were in their bedrooms, calming down while I was cleaning up the house and getting dishes done and putting dinner away and all that jazz. But that was how we divvied up the assignments. To this day, he misses that. He says, the one thing I miss the most is going into the kid's bedroom and reading them a story. At this time... Harry Potter was just new on the scene and this kid was probably third grade, eight, nine o'clock, eight or nine years old. And he just being a little pill and was not picking up books and reading them. Like I thought he should that, you know, all the books told me he should. That's a, put an asterisk by that one. We can come back to that story. But anyway, he had friends who were telling him about this guy named Harry Potter and all the cool things he did. And I said, well, we can give it a try. So I bought the very expensive book. And I said, honey, let's try something. Let's read the first chapter. And we had a rule that if daddy was reading a book, you couldn't go ahead of it. Now, of course, it didn't matter. Nobody wanted to, nobody read in our house, air quotes around that. Um, And so my husband read chapter one and he set it down. And the rule was, you know, dad, that's dad's story. So you don't go ahead and read in it. And then he picked it up again for chapter two. And I told him, stop halfway through chapter two and just say, it's, I, I gotta go. Um, and so he did. He left him hanging, if you will. And so then the next night, my husband decided to read the rest of that chapter and he changed a few things. He always changed a few things, like in, you know, in Cat in the Hat, something was always changed. There's, <laughs> yeah, you know, I do that. Being funny, being silly. And he changed a few things, but he did it on purpose because he wanted to see. And my oldest said, that's not how it goes. <laughs> like, how do you know? And he kind of, oops, got caught. <laughs> and I was kind of like, you cannot say that you can't read anymore. And so that was, that was our little eye opener telling this child that he couldn't read it. And it was Harry Potter. And so he went and he, he read it. We did it. We had a few little sneaky things like that, but, um, but that was the opening to it. And now my kids are voracious readers. Um, you know, now that's more audio, but cause they're all older and doing busy things. I've got kids who work on ranches. So, you know, there's nothing else to do while you're feeding the horses to walking the horses around. So they have audio books. I think my daughter's listened to Harry Potter three or four times now and, you know, just fun things like that. So yeah, little trades, if you will. Well, the audiobook options now are just crazy. I love it. I love it. My 10-year-old has a lot of outside chores because that's what he prefers over inside chores. And we have animals and acreage and stuff. And so he just pops in earbuds and goes out, listens to tons of books. And it's so much more suited to him because he's so active. Like to sit and read a book is like he reads just fine, but it's it's painful to sit still. Yeah. 
Yeah. That, this is another child who was, it was very, very, very painful for him to sit at any length. And, and, and that was a good thing for me as a homeschooler to know as to how each child learned. Because if it was painful for him to sit for more than 45 minutes, I made sure that my lessons were 30 minutes. And then I got up and I moved because I could keep bring him back. But if we went 45 minutes, I'd lost him for the rest of the day. And, you know, that was such, so, so it made it my homeschooling so much more successful when I knew that the quirks of, I had another child who had to move. Like when we were spelling, the kid had to like literally take a pencil and pound it on his leg. As he said, each letter of the word, he would spell B A T as he took a pencil and hit his thigh. And he, he, he's a drummer, but he, you know, he had <laughs> to, he had to have his body moving. I got a little rebounder, you know, those old trampolines that you can put in your house yeah. and I would put him on that or I'd get a jump rope and he'd do his spelling words that way because he just had to have physical with whatever learning he was and you know each child is so different and I have a child who for the life oh, I still don't understand how he can do this he can quote movies that he's only seen once like he can quote soliloquies if you will long passages in these movies and tell me exactly what each character was doing in it and what color the person's car was. I don't even remember he was driving a car. You know, he can do all of that. And he can do that because it was visual in front of him, but you put words in front of him on a piece of paper. Nope. Can't remember them. You know, a list of five things to get at the grocery store. He can't remember them. But if I show him five things that he's to get at the grocery store, he's got them. No problem. So, I mean, it's just wonderful to know that each child is a little different and that's how you need to teach them. And I, as a parent who understood that, I got it. I know a daughter, she needs to doodle. So I gave her a piece of paper and a pencil and she doodled. And now she's an artist. Go figure. But, you know, each child is so different. So different. One needs to have calm and peace and no noise. And the other one, give him a trampoline and he can spell anything. <laughs> I think that's the beautiful thing is that you acknowledge and recognize they all are going to learn differently. And it's not that difficult to work with it instead of constantly trying to make them conform to whatever you want the, it to look like or what you want them to do, you know? Yeah. I, I should also tell you a little bit about my husband's involvement. Um, I could not have done this without his support. And he was very supportive. He was very helpful. He, um, I don't want to say he gave me a blank check as in money, but he's like, okay, yeah, that is a good thing to spend our money on. And we did. We, we tried to keep our budget very low. We tried to do a lot of free things, a lot of bargained things. Uh, I teach your kid, you teach my kid type of a thing. Yeah. Um, we did a lot of that, but, we, but he also knew that there's a few things that we didn't skimp on. And science, music, and English were a few things that we didn't skimp on. So, you know, I bought the microscope. I bought the, the science curriculum. I mean, we dissected frogs. Well, I should say they dissected frogs. I hid behind the book. I don't do, <laughs> I don't do guts. Um, I, I'm, I'm somebody who I found out in third grade that, you know, a veterinarian didn't take the kitty cats and the dogs in the back and just pet and play with them. And then they bring <laughs> them back out all well. And I found out that they did more than that. And I'm like, done. I'm not a vet. No, I'm not, me. not for me. Uh, I'm out. So, you know, those were a few things that we didn't skimp on. Um, there was a few things we did skimp on, but those were the things that we didn't skimp on. Um, 
And he was very supportive of me. I mean, he's the one who said, yeah, let's go do Lewis and Clark. I'll take my three weeks vacation and go have this fun family vacation. Um, Likewise, when I'd come up with another harebrained idea of, you know, let's go to Vancouver to see the Olympic torch because we're studying the Olympics. Sure. Let's go do that. Um, You know, things like that. He was, he, he was game for it. He taught um, my kids some language. Um, He knows Portuguese. Um, And so he would teach my kids. We had a couple of years where they had Portuguese lessons every morning before he went off to work. He taught them computer science skills. Uh, he would do some of the hard chemistry stuff. Uh, if there was a science experiment that was, you know, blowing up something or making something, he was all in it. Um, he was all 40, take kids camping on backpacking trips, um, teaching them survival skills. Um, we built a couple decks and, you know, we taught them carpentry skills and all that stuff. And they were right in there with them. In fact, (laughs) funny, now that we're all in quarantine, my college students are doing online. So they're all come back home. So now there's seven adults living in my house. And, um, my husband really wanted to do, he's always wanted to build an arcade. And so I said, why don't you take our mechanical engineer student and have him and you build an arcade? And so that's what they did over the last two weeks. They've built an arcade computer programmed and it's seriously an arcade. Like when you and I were little and we went to the arcade and you stand at that box and you quarters in it although we don't have quarters I told him that was a mistake we could have gotten rich um (laughs) and then he reminded me who gives them the quarters like oh yeah okay but anyway (laughs) um you know you know he just involved the kids in his fun you know he he wanted to he's he loves to go to the beach and fly kites we would talk about the 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 science of flying a kite um you know we we studied um, when the hundred year anniversary of the airplane, we studied that. Now he's, he's like, I'm all for museums. And so he'd take my kids with me. We'd go to museums, to the zoo. He was like, yeah, sign me up. I'm with you. So he was a huge supporter. He didn't do a lot of the, um, he didn't do a lot of the day to day, but he would do quite, oh, he had a chess club going. Um, he'd come home at lunch. He, he worked close enough that one, a couple of years, he, um, his office was just literally down the road, uh, less than a mile from our house. And he literally came up for lunch and we had a chess club. And that's where one of my sons who um, is loves chess, um, that's where he learned to play chess is, you know, with his dad and dad's chess club. And they literally played every, I think it was Wednesday afternoon at lunchtime. We had three or four little boys come over and they played chess with my husband and he taught them how to play chess and you know, just, he was, he was, he was with us and he loved it. He loved learning too. And he would, every once in a while he'd say, Hey, can I teach him something? And I'm like, yeah, sure. Go for it. <laughs> yeah. And something he learned, he would, he would, you know, teach him. He'd take him out and here, yeah, this is what we learned. This is fun. So, and he's always up for field trips. Yeah. Field trips. Yeah. Sign me up. That's Go so somewhere. cool. What an amazing support to you. That's, yeah. that's fantastic. Yeah. And he would have supported whether, I mean, every August we had the conversation, do we put them in? Do we not? Um, and then we'd always give them the choice. They always had a choice to go or not. And they most always said, yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to spend forever doing homework. They they talked enough to the, to their friends that were in public school and they were, it, it was kind of sad because there's like, yeah, I can't play with my friend from school because he's doing homework tonight and I don't want to do that. So 
that was an, that was one of the reasons they always said no. I don't want to go to public school. I don't want yeah, to do that. that's a lot of my kids are like I I my kids my friends don't have time to hang out. They don't have time when they're little. They're like my friends don't have time to play. And then when they're teenagers, they're like my friends are so busy by the time they get home. And then extracurriculars, I never see them. Yeah, yeah. but they have to learn to do their homework because they got to go to college. Well, not they don't have to. If they want to go to college, they got to learn to do their homework. So, you know, that's a, it's a mixed bag there. Yeah. So, I, I think, and that's, that's one of the reasons I loved having those tutors is because they had homework you know, yeah. and made them write papers. So. Yeah. We have classes in our homeschool group that are yeah. more intense, you know, and then, yeah. then they get to experience that deadline and, you know, getting corrected papers and having to redo things, you know, it's, it's still a good skill to have. Yeah. You know, it really, is. it just doesn't have to look the same for everybody, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But it, 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 it's a hard relationship because as my, as, as one of my child children told me, he said, you were also our judge. You weren't just our mother and our teacher, but you were our judge. And having you be a judge was kind of hard when we got to be teenagers. And that was hard. And I can see where he's saying that, but I will also say that we have a fantastic relationship as they have grown older. And I know I still have some young college students, the younger ones, where the relationship is still developing. But as they've turned into adults, I've loved the relationship that we have and the memories that we've had. And I hope that that keeps us connected as we grow older because having a cancer scare, I never knew how much longer. And I will tell you that was one of the biggest decision of not, of continuing to homeschool, even though I was in cancer is that I did not want to miss a minute with them. I really didn't. I remember I went out the day that I was supposed to put the Christmas tree up after my diagnosis. So a couple of months after my diagnosis and I went for a run in the morning and then I was going to come home and we were going to put the Christmas tree up. And I remember thinking on that run, I don't want to go home because I might be putting up the Christmas tree for the last time. And I don't want to do that because I don't want to ruin memories. And I also thought uh, that this, I, you know, if I don't do it, it can't happen. You know, if I don't start it, it can't happen. It won't be the last. And I, my husband picked me up from that run because it was a point to point run. And he picked me up and we were going to go do something. I can't remember what it was. Maybe grab breakfast before we did the Christmas tree. I don't remember what it was. We didn't do it because I was in, I was a mess. I was sobbing. And he goes, but you know what? If it's the last one, let's make it the best, the best one. And it was right then and there that I realized that I'm going to live my life like there's no tomorrow. And I'm going to live my life and plan my life like there is. And that was one of the things I really did not want to miss a day with my kids because I wasn't sure I was going to have tomorrow. But I was also going to plan that we're going to go on a field trip tomorrow because that's just what you do. And uh, so the, I'm kind of glad I didn't send them to high school because we have now all those memories. And I am, I mean, my sister passed away way too young. She's, she left young children. And I just, I, I, I had that staring at me in the face, you know, two years after my sister died, I was staring at cancer too. And so I was kind of like, I'm not, I'm not losing another minute with these kids. I want I want every minute I can. And, and it may be selfish and it probably is very selfish, but so be it. I love them. I don't, I don't blame you. Like that's, 
I'm sitting here trying to put myself in that same position. And I'm like, I would probably do the exact same thing. I'd want them around me. You know, if that was going to be my last, however much time, I wouldn't want to send them away all day, you know? Well, the first words out of my, or the first thoughts after the doctor told me I had cancer was what about my kids? And what about my husband? Those were the first words. It wasn't about me. It was about what about them? I can't have this. I got kids. I, this is not, it's not on the list. Get it off the list. And I remember my doctor telling me there's no cure for this cancer, but we're going to do everything we can to make sure that you live long enough to see a cure. And um, so I'm not cured, but I'm 10 year, almost 10 years remission. So oh, wow. um, knock on wood, knock on wood that we continue down this path. Um, but you know what? I've seen three marriages. I've three, seen uh, six high school graduations. I don't know if you call them high school graduations. I kicked them out. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, six kids going to college. I've seen three marriages, a granddaughter. So, you know, I'm happy. I'm happy with what we did. There's times I question it, but for the most part, I'm glad that we did what we did because I have some fantastic relationships and awesome memories of my kids' life. And I sure hope that they look back um, at their memories, their photos, the journals we kept, all that, and say, yep, that was a good childhood. I bet they do. I bet they do look back on that. Just listening to this, yeah. I mean, obviously everybody has struggle. Struggle's universal. But this is, I don't know, it's such an inspiring and and beautiful story that you shared. Thank you. Thank you. Just remember it's a marathon. It's a marathon. There's no, and there's, and everybody gets a medal at the end. So. <laughs> That's true. I mean, right? Is. Like we're all, I mean, if you think of, Go ahead. I was going to say, we're all in it together, right? Like as a family and as homeschooling families and moms in general, right? We're all yeah. in this together, working hard. Yeah. And and nobody's path is the same, you know? It's a marathon and everybody's going to take a different path on the same path, if you will, the same road. We'll all take different tangent, t- transit, uh, tangents, sorry. Um, and, you know, if you think about it, I should never run a marathon because I am never ever going to come close to winning a marathon. And yet, why do I do it? Why do I tow that line to run that, that race? It's because it, it was, it's a wonderful journey to go on. Um, and there's a great reward at the end. It's awesome. to get to eat pizza at the end. So, <laughs> but no, seriously, I mean, it, it's, it's a serious thought when you, you know, and there's not one path. Each one of my six children took a different path through homeschooling, even though we were on the same road and sometimes in the same books. Everybody learned something different from what they are going through and, and teaching. And I think that we have to let the kids explore, learn, be exposed to things as much as we can give it to them. And I am so thankful that uh, we did it together because it was fun. It was fun for them and it was fun for me. I totally agree. Like that's the experience we've had too. Like everybody's homeschool experience has been completely different, even though they're all under the same roof, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. that's so cool. Was well, there anything else you wanted to share? I can't think of anything. I just, just make sure that you love your kids, save the relationship. And if saving the relationship means you put them in school, did you fail? No. 
failing is is not doing what's right for you and your in the relationship with your children and your husband and your family and whatever dynamics your family is. Um, just save the relationship because they grow up and you want them to come home every once in a while to have you know sandwiches at your table. You know, and, and build our seriously do. You know, yeah, build our kids. <laughs> no, I love. I think that's a perfect like insight right there. Save the relationship. I, that's something I kind of discovered a few years ago myself with my own kids. Like the relationship is more important than anything else that we're going to do. And yeah, you know, so that's beautiful. I I mean, once they learn to read, they can learn anything. Seriously. Once they learn how to read, they can go in, in today's age, they can learn anything. Once they know how to read the, the world is theirs to learn. So anytime my kids say, well, you didn't teach us that. I'm like, well, you had a library card, Um, you know, but the relationship is something that I can't get at the library. I can't get at the school. I get it sitting on our couch, sitting around the kitchen table, sitting at our school table, finding little notes on the whiteboard. You know, that's, that's what's important. Thanks to Doreen for being on. Wasn't she great? There was so much good stuff in there. I'm totally inspired and excited. So definitely was grateful that she was able to come on today. Thank you listeners for sticking around and listening to the whole thing. It was worth it all the way to the end. So I'm glad that you got it. You came here. So a great way to show appreciation for her is there's voice messages that you can like call in through Anchor or Spotify or any place that you listen to podcasts, you can say in if you leave a message for Doreen or any of the other guests, I will happily publish those in the beginning of a podcast to share those thanks. Thank you again for listening. And this was If Homeschool Walls Could Talk. I'm your host, Jenny Hahn, and thank you for being here.